thank you again. We thank you again, Lord, for worship. Pray now, Lord, that as we have done the wonderful, joyful part of our service, Lord, just enjoying you, enjoying worshipping you, enjoying giving you praise, Lord. We come, oh God, to the serious part of hearing your word, Lord. Father, we pray, God, that you indeed might give us serious hearts, Lord, serious minds, as we engage in your truth. Pray that you might speak. Lord, we might not hear the opinions of men, the thoughts of men. Lord, we're tired of hearing what men has to say, Lord. Everybody's got an opinion, Lord. Everybody got something to say. But oh God, we want to hear what you have to say. And we pray, oh God, that you might speak, that we might hear your voice this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So um, if you have your Bibles with you, you want to open it up to Romans chapter 1. Um, I've entitled, of course, this message is always going to be the gospel of God. And um, as we open our study today, I, I need to remind you that we ended last week with... Um, Something very important. You see, Paul wanted to end last week with um, the fact that his Christianity is not about what will happen to you when you die. Only. So many people will turn around and say, you know, uh, um, um, I'm only a Christian because I want to get to heaven. There's people who want to live their lives for 50, 60, 70 years and when they're sick, on their deathbed and just about to close their eyes and, and they call for the, the, the priest to come. They wanted to come to give the last rites, to get them into heaven. That's what they want. But Paul is interested. He, Paul wants you to get that it's not about getting to heaven. It's not life after you die. It is life before you die. That is what Paul wants you to get hold of. And, um, and that's how we, we ended it um, last week. God is interested in your life before you reach the grave. There's power that can be yours. Now, Cleveland read um, um, our reading, and as you are well aware, the following words are quite remarkable. But these words that were read to you this morning, that you found in Romans chapter 1, was written over 2,000 years ago. And yet, it speaks of our society in detail. Right there in Romans chapter 1. Speaking of our society now, and it was written 2,000 years ago, is quite remarkable. But as we look at these verses... We need to pass over them with extreme care. Why? Well, in chapter 2, Paul gives a reason why. Look what he says in chapter 2. You therefore have no excuse. You who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourselves because you who pass judgment 
do the same things. So we need to be very careful as we read these words, as we heard them read to us, be very careful how we look at them, how we respond to them, because Paul says that you need to watch your own lives. There's stuff going on in you, stuff going on in me, that God is concerned about. And so I've got three things that I want to say this morning. The first thing here is um, I want to speak about exchanging. First, I want you to notice exactly where the wrath of God is coming from. I don't know if you see it um, in the Bible, in our Bible reading, but, but look what it says here. It says, therefore, sorry, the wrath of God is being revealed, where from? From heaven. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven. The very place where people want to go. The very place that people want to end up. They may not go to church. They may not go to a Bible class. They may not read the Bible. But they all want to end up in heaven. And Paul says that is exactly where the wrath of God is coming from. The wrath of God is coming from heaven. People have some very funny, strange views about heaven. I was at a funeral um, a few years ago, and the, um, the vicar or the priest who was leading the, um, the service, he had a, a coffin in front of him, and, and he was saying, Ah, oh, poor Tommy, he's died, but I know what he's doing now. He's playing golf in heaven, and he's practicing his swing. And I thought to myself, Is there golf in heaven? And another guy, I was, I was in another funeral, and, and this man in the, in, the, in the box died from alcohol consumption. And as we was in the um, funeral, one of his buddies got up, and, and he walked to the coffin with a can of beer, and he put it on the coffin, and he said to, 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 the, to the coffin, John, have one up there for me. And I thought to myself, is there beer in heaven? You know, people think that whatever you do in heaven is what you've done in earth that you enjoy the most. So for some people, Coronation Street is being played 24 hours a day in heaven. Can you believe that? That would be like hell. But the Bible is the authority on heaven. The Bible speaks that in heaven... There is a judgment seat in heaven. The Bible speaks that in heaven there's going to be books open up in heaven. And another book is going to be open up where people will be judged. That is what is in heaven. And so Paul turns around and he says to um, people, the wrath of God is being revealed from where? The very place where you want to end up that is where the anger and the wrath of God is coming from. Are you ready for heaven? That's the question this morning. Are you ready? Now, 
for heaven. Well, what else does that verse say? Well, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men or people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Now, I want you to watch Paul very closely because before he unpacks the actions of men, the godlessness and the wickedness, before he unpacks that, he first speaks about the thoughts and the mind. You see, the battle is for your mind. The fighting is going on in your thoughts. And Paul, first of all, wants to unpack that before he moves on to the actions and to the wickedness and to the godlessness of men. He drives you back and he says, hold on, before we go there, we need to stop right here and talk about what goes on in the mind. Listen, one of the reasons why Christianity has failed over the past 50 years or so, one of the reasons is because it started to focus upon emotions and feelings and experiences. And because it started back nearly 100 years ago, started focusing upon emotions and, and feelings and experiences, it begins to fail. Why? Well, when Paul himself, when Paul went into any place to preach, look what it says. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned. I love that word. He reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ. You see how Paul done his ministry? He wasn't focused about emotions. He wasn't focused about feelings. He wanted to go into a synagogue and reason and prove and talk to the mind of the men and women who were before him. Today, people don't want 40 minutes preaching. They don't want to follow a logical argument. No, no, no. Give me ten, five, ten minutes of a nice fluffy talk, you know. Nice stories and, and bunnies and, and, and things. Give me ten minutes of that. I can handle ten minutes. But don't give me um, um, 40 minutes of logical thinking argument that follows to a conclusion. I don't want that. I want a nice, a nice talk. People do not want to pick up weighty books like books from men like John Calvin or, or, or Thomas Watson or, or Jonathan Edwards. We want to pick up these books. No, no, no. Don't give me these books. Give me a book that's light and, and, and fairy that tells me about people going to heaven and come back. That's one of the books I found in my shed, that's where it belonged actually, in my shed. Heaven is for real. A book about this young boy, a little boy's astounding story of his trip to heaven and back again. This young boy grew up 
and said, you know, my, on my, that story that I told my dad? He said, it was all rubbish. It never happened. But did, do the Christians pull it out from the uh, bookshelves? They say, we can't sell it anymore because the boy who it happened to actually said, it's a lie. I was lying completely. I never went to heaven. Does the Christian world pull the book out? Oh, no, 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 no. It's selling millions of copies. Unlike Tesco's, you get bad food in Tesco's, they recall it. Toyota, you get something wrong with your car, they call it back. But in Christianity, you get something fake and leave it right out there. And people will much rather read Heaven is for Real or this other chap, this Don Piper guy, who put 90 minutes in heaven. They rather read that than to get serious with some weighty material. So I'm putting this one back in my shed um, for another illustration another time. That's all it's good for. Christianity today has bypassed the mind and has focused upon your feelings. It's not what you know, it's how do you feel? Do you feel a little tingly feeling about when I prayed for you? How do you feel? It's not about what you know and what you understand in your mind. It's about what you feel in your heart. And the battle is for your mind. And Paul turns around and said that the wrath of God is being revealed. Why? Because men, originally, look at what he says. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen being understood for what has been made so that men are without excuse. There was an understanding at one point. But now Christianity has gone to the wayside. Why? Because we don't talk to the mind, we talk to the emotions and to the feelings and to experiences. But Paul says, no, 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 no. Everybody wants to rush to the actions of men. Everybody wants to describe what the women have been doing. But Paul takes you first to where the real battle is for. Hold on, he says. He cries, hold on. Before you go to the actions. You need to remember what's going on in your mind. Very well then. The question we need to be asked is what did their thinking lead them to do? That's the question. Okay, the battle is in the mind. What did their wrong thinking lead them to do? Well, look what he says here. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images made to look like a mortal man and birds and animals and reptiles. They took up mortal things. Here was God, immortal, invisible, God only wise. Here is God. And they turn around and say, well, you know what? We don't really want God, we're going to exchange him. And so they made images of man. 
birds, animals, and reptiles. You know, if you go to the Greek world, even today, even in France, I've been there, there's um, statues of naked men and women. We went to, in France, we went into this beautiful house. And as we was walking around the house, looking at all the beautiful paintings and all the beautiful furniture and, and so on, we saw this painting that was huge. It went from this wall all the way down the hallway. A huge painting. And as we looked at this painting, one thing that stood up, it was a painting of a war. Men on horseback and stabbing one another and killing one another. And as we looked at the painting, the one thing that stood out was this. They were all naked. Every single man in the whole painting was naked. You thought to yourself, didn't they have clothes back then? I mean, imagine going to war naked. And yet that is what they were. And I thought to myself, why? Because in those days, they glory in the human frame, the body of the man. And they made statues of naked men and naked women. You go to ancient Egypt, for example. Who, what do they worship? They worship cats, didn't they? I'm walking through Tesco's and to my surprise, they had a fridge of cat food. I thought, fridge for cat food? Surely, you know, that, that's, that's, that's a bit wrong. And a cat had a food from the tin in my days, but now you put the cat food in the fridge and you can feed a family. But people today, but not only that, you move on. Go on to India and Pakistan. Elephants are being worshipped and cows are still being worshipped. Go over to China and to Japan and dragons are still being worshipped. You see, what the Bible says is that they exchange the truth of God for a lie. They exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve created things rather than the creator. They exchange the truth of God And the things that they worship now are all liars. These things promise you protection, but they lie. These other things promise you provision, but they lie. These other things promise you peace, but they lie. All of these man-made idols, they know nothing, they can do nothing, and they can perform nothing. They are totally a lie. question is who do you believe who do you put your trust in oh I can hear a man turn around or a woman say oh you know I, I don't need to trust in anyone else you know I, I make my own luck I trust in myself these arms have built my own my own empire I am trusting in myself very well had a text from my friend Jonathan Smith he said he's 56 year old friend had a heart attack and just died. What are or who or what lies are you listening to? Are you prepared to exchange the truth of God for what is a lie? In our high streets, you walk in our high street, we've got these shops around called cash converters. 
And you know, you, you take something that you don't want into cash converters and you exchange it for something else that you do want. Normally it's money, but you go in with something that you don't want and you exchange it for something that you do want. But I'm telling you something, our society has taken God into cash converters and something that is wonderful and powerful and awesome that they've exchanged him for something that is worthless. That has no value and can do no good. That is what our society has done. They've exchanged the truth of God for what is a total lie. Look around you. We have wealth in this country more than what we ever had in the history of our land. Money, houses, everything. But there's more people on antidepressants than there ever have been. There's more people who are addicted to alcohol than there ever have been. A young 15-year-old girl the other last year hanged herself with her own school tie because she was depressed. And yet we live in a very affluent country. Why is this happening? I'll tell you why. We've exchanged the truth of God. And we've accepted a lie. And so that's what we've done. And so Paul opens up with, with, with this argument in the first few verses. He said, this is what, you, what men have done. You know, they've known God, but they exchanged God for something else. Okay. What else does he say? He goes on to speak about restraining now Paul has now laid the foundation the battle has been lost in our minds in our society there may be few people here who who, who kept integrity and who kept some wisdom but in general the doors been opened and the horses bolted the battle in the mind is practically lost sadly Since men no longer want to think. Since men and women no longer want to understand or want to reason. God says, I'm going to do something. I'm going to do something. Man doesn't want to think. Man doesn't want to reason. Man doesn't want to um, 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 use his understanding. So God says, I'm going to act. What does God do? Three things, three times, Paul mentions what God does. And I'm going to go with this nice and slowly so you can see what God does. Three times it mentions what God does. Let's look at them one by one. The first one is here in verse 24. Therefore, God gave them over. That's the first time you hear this phrase. God gave them over. In the sinful desires of their hearts. Verse 24. The same phrase is used again. Look at here. Because of this. God gave them over. To shameful lust. Number two. He said one more time. In verse 28. Furthermore. Just as they did not think it worthwhile. To retain the knowledge of God. So God 
gave them over to a depraved mind. What does it mean that God gave them over? Well, God is restraining and holding evil back by his grace. It's a bit like this can of Coke, one of my favorite drinks, as my family knows. If I shake this can of Coke like this, really give it a good old shake. Cleveland, can you open that can for me, please? <laughs> if I shake this can like this Coke, like this, and then I would pull, you know what would happen, right? If I would pull this, 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 um, um, what do you call this thing? Ring pull, thank you. <laughs> ring pull. If I was to pull this ring pull, coke will be everywhere. And rightly so. But God is saying, man is like this can of coke. And God is like the ring pull on this can. The only thing that is stopping the evil from coming out from man and exploding is God's grace holding it down at this ring pull. And what God is saying when he says, I'm giving them over, what God is saying is that I'm taking away my restraining graceful hand. And when God takes away his grace, when God takes away his hand, it's like God taking away the, 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 the ring pull from this can and every wickedness that's in man explodes. And that is God's judgment. It's not God's mercy. It's God's mercy to have the ring pulled down. That's God's mercy. But when God takes it away, that is God's judgment. And so God says, I'm restraining evil. But now God says, I'm going to remove my restraining hand. I'm going to take away my spiritual ring pull from this situation in judgment. As we have here, furthermore, just as they did not think it worthwhile to retain the knowledge of God, so God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. You are here, my dear friends, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, you are here because of the restraining grace of God's hand on your life. That's why you're here. And so God says three times in our Bible reading, they've rejected me. They have rejected the knowledge of me. Their understanding has become futile and their thinking has become foolish. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the, the knowledge of the immortal God and, 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 and for images of mortal man, birds, reptiles and animals. They have rejected me, says God. And because they have rejected me, I am going to pull my grace back and allow them to see. Listen to me. Allow them to see. What wickedness is really in their hearts. That's what we're allowing them to see. 
I'm allow the whole world to see the depth of wickedness and foulness that is in the heart of man. You think your righteousness God to man? You think you have a degree of holiness? Well, let me take away my grace. Let me take away the pools, the pools can thing, and you will see just how wicked you will sink to. So let me just go on to my third and final point for this morning, and we will revisit this chapter next week. Restraining, finally degrading. Exchanging, restraining, degrading. My final point is this, look at the verse. Therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. You know, I think that people don't realize how precious their bodies are. You know that? I don't think people actually realize just how precious. When God made man, he created him perfect. In every way, God created this man perfect. His body, his soul, his mind, every area of this man was created perfect. And Paul will say in Romans 12:1, he will say, Therefore I urge you, my brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices. Holy and pleasing to God. You know, your salvation is not complete until your body is saved as well and redeemed and made new. Don't worry if you've got aches and pains, arthritis and other things going on. Don't worry about that too much. But God said, I'm going to give you a new body. That's going to be part of your salvation. Your body is precious. God himself created it. He, he, didn't, he, he, he just created it himself. And Paul says, it's holy and pleasing to God. But I don't think people realize how precious their bodies are. People worship sex. They pursue sex. They make sex their God. Thinking that is life. That is the meaning of happiness. But I can't say anymore. Look at what the Bible says. Look what Paul says. Having nothing to do with the have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful. Even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. We can't mention it. Some of us have a vague idea. But I'm telling you, the depth of deprivation and sexual exploitation and perversion that goes on in our society is incredible. Paul says, those who live like this in darkness. 
in our society. Our society forces it upon you in every way. Just last night, I was walking in Tesco. I was doing a bit of midnight shopping. That's my fun for the day. And as I was going through Tesco's, go past uh, those hoarders alcohol drinks in the opening entrance. And as I was going past, there was Smirnoff, the vodka drink. You know, the, you know, the man's drink. When I went past it, there was Smirnoff, a colourful bottle, and on the bottle there was two men kissing on the bottle of Smirnoff. I thought to myself, why is that there? You can't buy some aftershave without a half-naked man giving you a bottle of aftershave. Put some clothes on before you give me that aftershave. It's incredible how our society is trying constantly to force the, the degrading of our bodies and the sexual pursuit to men and women. The whole society is in darkness. But even in that darkness, there is hope. And with this I close, there is hope. Paul writes in Ephesians, that is why he said, wake up sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. It is light that makes things visible. It is light that shows you the filth and the rot. It is light that comes in and shows you what needs to be taken care of. And the Bible says, wake up and Christ will shine on you. A few hundred years ago, before there was electricity, a man in his household, in his family, they used candles to, um, to light up every room. But he heard that electricity was being introduced. So he wanted to be the first man in the road to have electricity lighting. And so he paid and he had the wiring go through and, and, and he had his whole house rewired. And he thought to himself, you know what, this is going to be a special day. I'm going to call my friends and my neighbours. So he called his friends and his neighbours in and they all came round his house and they all sat down there waiting for the sun to go down and for it to be completely dark. And as it was completely dark, the man said, right, here we go. And he turned on the light. And everybody was amazed. The light was so bright. It was beautiful. Far better than anything they've seen. And everybody was like, whoa. And then they got looking around his house. And they saw where all the candles left all dark black stains up on the walls. And they saw the corners where there were dirt and filth and grime in the man's house. As the man looked around, he became more and more embarrassed because the light showed up. Every filth, every dirt, every rottenness that was in his house, he showed it all up. And so when the family, when the people left his house, this man went to, went to town and this man cleaned his home because he didn't realize just how filthy his house was under candlelight. I want to tell you, when Christ shines his light, he shines his light so that you can wake up and you can see the filth 
and the rot and the ugliness that's in your life. When Christ shines his light, he shines it in order for you to wake up. And I will say to you this morning, Christian, wake up. If you're sleeping today as a Christian, I will say to you this morning, wake up. Wake up, sleepy Christians, and see the filth and the the rottenness in your own life. Wake up those who are looking at pornography on your phones or on your computers. Wake up. Because Christ's light will shine on you this morning. Those of you who are still sleeping and you've got bitterness and anger and, 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 and filth in your life. Wake up, I will say to you this morning. And Christ will shine and shine and shine on you. Not to make you feel useless. No, no, no. But to shine his light so you might get busy. That you might go to him and say, oh God, oh God, do a work in me. Change me. Transform me. Deal with the filth. I don't want it there anymore. Deal with the pornography. I don't want that in my life anymore. Deal with the lying. I've got to get rid of that. Deal with the falsehood, the hypocrisy, the bitterness. Deal with the anger and the wrath. Deal with it, oh God, because I don't want it in my life anymore. Jesus, shine upon me. Should be the cry of every Christian in this room today. And non-Christian as well. You may say, well, I've got no strength. How can, how can I deal with these problems? How can I deal with the sin in my life? Well, Paul takes it right back. He takes you right into and gives you the, 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 the help that you need. Here's the help. Gives you the help that you need. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Do not get drunk on alcohol, on beer, on wine, that leads to uncontrolled behavior do not get drunk no 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 says Paul but be filled that's it that's what you need this morning be filled be filled be continually filled and once you feel you're running up be filled again be filled and be filled and be filled with the Holy Spirit that's the remedy for a man or woman who's asleep that's the remedy When Christ shines on you and you wake up, you need to be filled with the Spirit of God. My dear friends, we're moving through this chapter. And as we move, I want you to see the grace of God. Even though men have rejected him and have gone their own way, the grace of God is available for you this morning. Will you not be filled? And encouraged by the fact that the light of the glory of Christ is shining even in this church upon you today. As we close, I'm going to ask my brother Jimmy Rowe to come and close our service. Just bow your heads in prayer. Dear God, we just want to thank you so much, Lord, for bringing us here today, Lord.
thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, for bringing us here today, Lord.